Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. We wanted to take a moment to thank you for your continued support over the years. It's hard to believe that we've been having weekly in-depth discussions about movies since 2011. That's right, 12 years and counting. Producing this show is a labor of love for us, but it does require a lot of time and effort each week. If you enjoy our podcast and would love to help keep it going, there are some easy ways you can show your support. One is by using our Originals page to shop for the original source material that movies we've discussed were based on. That's right. In season one alone, we covered 13 films adapted from books or plays, from Charlie Kaufman's adaptation to David Fincher adaptations like Fight Club. In season two, we covered even more, like Powell and Pressburger's The Red Shoes and The African Queen from our series about legendary cinematographer Jack Cardiff. We can't forget about the four Jason Bourne movies we talked about. Love those movies. Well, the original trilogy, at least. <laughs> for our Richard D. Zanuck series, we did Jaws, Rush, Big Fish, and more. And for our horror series, we talked about John Carpenter's The Thing, which was adapted from Who Goes There? We did our first great car chase series with movies like Bullet, The French Connection, and Drive. And for the holidays, we did Preston Sturgis's Christmas in July. We had a great John Huston series with adaptations like The Maltese Falcon and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And for our baseball series, Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Have I told you lately how much I love that movie? Uh, yeah, I think you have. Plus, our Magician series and Heist film series had adaptations as well. Tons of page-to-screen gems. Listeners can find the details and links to the original material at thenextreel.com slash originals. Every book, play, or movie you buy through our links helps support the show, and it's no extra cost to you. So dive in and get your next read today. Thenextreel.com slash originals has all the films adapted from other sources that not only we have covered, but all of the shows on the Next Real family of podcasts. Check it out and get reading. Support the show and build your reading list. It's a win-win. Head to thenextreel.com slash originals. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. In just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. <laughs> Are you telling me you're going to be sort of demanding tonight? Is that how that's going to be? <laughs> I think you're the one who wants to be demanding. <laughs> you just uh, want to jump right in, don't you? I do.
Not even a hi. Not even a hi. How do you do? No, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk. (laughs) You have a date. You have a date tonight, right? Please tell me you have a date tonight. I have a date with density. Are you now? I'm not joking, though. Please don't toy with me. Are you going to see it tonight? I don't know. Andy? (laughs) Andy? Well, I I have to let let me tell you for crying out loud. Hold, please. Yes, I, I likely will. At, no, at... no, 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 because no. 10 p.m. All right, so we have to hurry at this If we're point. done in time. We have to hustle. Yes. If we're done, my answer no. is yes. Yes, it has to be yes, because I don't think I can not talk about this film. <laughs> we're talking, of course, about Star Trek Into Darkness, which I, I did my cinematic duty, and I saw the very first show this morning. Got furniture actually falling over in my... In my office. Did you hear that crash? That's a horrible... It was that powerful of a film. That it just, it just making knocked the, the furniture fall over. Making the furniture fall over. I, I did my cinematic duty 9.30 a.m. this morning, and I saw it, and you made uh, an, I'm not a tidy bit of fun of me uh, for I, seeing I it no- in in Limax. Oh. Li- oh. <laughs> oh, that, yes. Yeah, Limax and fake 3D. Oh. 2.5D. Well, you got to take what you can get. No, I took what I could get, and I took it, and I... Stop. I'm not even going to talk about it. <laughs> it's making... It's all day. I've been wanting to talk to you about it, of all people, and you did not do your duty. I'm very I, disappointed. Uh, it was either a midnight show or none, and I, I wasn't I was, wasn't up to doing a midnight show. I Were apologize. you chicken? Were you scared a little bit? Ooh. Stop. Hey, hey, I'm not Marty McFly here. That doesn't work on me. <laughs> <laughs> We're all a little bit McFly. Uh, a little um, bit. But okay. the chicken part, I'm not. All right. Well, I am very disappointed that we can't talk about. Can I? Can we talk a little bit about it? Is there anything you want to know? Nope. Would you like to know anything? Nope. How about anything? What's the you spaceship's name? Name it. What's the spaceship's name? <laughs> uh, uh-uh, no. See, I want to say so. I want to be snarky uh, and give yeah. away something, but I won't. I know I won't you because I love you. It's because oh. of the love. Thank you. Deep breath. <laughs> Every time I try to take a deep breath, I just hold it. It's, I can't get it out. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. All right. Uh, I will be seeing it again with my children this weekend. So we'll be able to talk about it twice next so week. It's a, so it's uh, children friendly? No, but I make bad decisions. <laughs> oh, oh, right. That's uh, right. I forgot who one of my children it's okay for the other one i'll be holding his face during just a couple of sequences awesome (laughs) it's a face holding film it's it's one of those yeah good uh so what do you have on deck for uh for you you oh hey do you know what this (laughs) this is the next reel hey everybody (laughs) hey everybody i'm pete that's andy hi and uh, tonight we're going to wrap up our uh, Patty Chayefsky uh, uh, trilogy of films with 1955's Marty, starring starring uh, Ernest Beef Borgnine. <laughs> that just doesn't sound. Good. I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to make it stick. Do you uh, think it would be better with a the Ernest the Beef Borgnine? <laughs> hey, the Beef. <sighs> Oh my! You know what? Oh, he's probably I, it, he's. I hear he was a boxer, and he he would have been the beef in the Bronx, <laughs> right? Uh. <laughs> and uh, you can find out uh, more about us at uh, thenextreel.com. Uh, and there are lots of places you can follow us. And the, the, the important places are uh, obviously nextreel.com, iTunes, where you can search for The Next Reel and subscribe to the show and get it for free, delivered to you every single week. We also have the RSS feed available. So if you roll your own podcast uh, 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 recipe there, you can grab that RSS feed and subscribe in your own application of, of choice. Uh, you can follow us on, you know, Twitter and Facebook. Facebook's where a lot of the conversation is happening. And, and um, uh, we have uh, uh, the fantastic. Steve Sarmento, movie lover, comrade, dear friend, funny beard today. <laughs> yes, he uh, he's, strange shave job. Boy, does he post good stuff though. So we don't hold his, <laughs> we don't he don't hold his face against him. <laughs> uh, and uh, so there's there's a lot of great stuff up up on the Facebook. We encourage you to join us over there. Uh, I think I, I think that's going to be it. Okay, I'm I'm like a master of efficiency tonight. I'm all hyped up. I, I I can tell. I'm a little afraid. 
I'll be I'll be I'll be honest. <laughs> I can't I, I don't want to share anything about the film until we get through our trailers. Let's do let's do the trailer. Would you go first? Yes, I will. <laughs> there there's there's quite a, a few uh really exciting trailers that I wanted to talk about tonight. But uh seeing that I have to just pick one, I chose Prince Avalanche. A what would I call this? It's it's just a wacky comedy about two highway road workers who spend the summer and that takes place in the 80s spend the summer away from their life painting stripes on the road and go basically live in the wilderness and it stars paul rudd and emil hirsch as the two men who decide to go do this and i i found it great because one i love paul rudd in most everything he does and i loved seeing emil hirsch in something where he was out in the wild and in a character completely opposite of who he played in Into the Wild, somebody who has no sense of nature. Right. And I just found that a delight to watch the two of them at work on screen together. Uh, David Gordon Green is, uh, I believe he adapted it from the original story by Hafstein Gunnar Sigurdsson, I think is how you say that. <laughs> No, it is now. It certainly uh, that's, is that's, now. Uh, that's how he likes it when I say it. Yeah, how he does like that. <laughs> uh, yes, and David Gordon Green, uh, he uh, produces, uh, he produces, directs, and and uh, wrote the script. Um, he has brought us some fare that is stuff I'm not as excited about. Pineapple, <laughs> you know, like Express, Pineapple Express, the hot, your, 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 your highness. Yeah, most of the stuff I'm not very excited about. Did you uh, did you ever get into Eastbound and Down? He did a lot I, of Eastbound and Down. I, I see that, but I, I never did. Um, he did George Washington, though, uh, one of the first films that he directed, which actually got quite, uh, 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 made quite a mark in like the indie film circles. And it's supposed to be great. I haven't seen it. That's one I have on my list that I keep wanting to see. And going from George Washington to all of these wacky comedies that he's yeah. done, I find so strange. But then seeing that he's doing this Prince Avalanche, which doesn't look as as kind of wacky pothead goofball comedy like uh, Pineapple Express and Your Highness doing something that looks just a little more like a, just an interesting comedy about quirky people. I find it much more exciting to see. And I, and Prince Avalanche, I, I don't know, looks pretty good to me. It opens in August, August 9th. I, I'm also looking forward to this. I had not seen the trailer until you sent it over this evening. And I, um, uh, it, it surprised me at, at the, the subtlety of the goofiness. Yeah. Uh, because it it really is it it's uh, I think it's goofy in its restraint and I I really enjoyed watching it. It's got a it, it's sort of um what's the vibe that I get from this movie? You know, what? it reminds me of uh uh what's the one um with the monsters in the big suits and the boy who goes into the dreamland with the monsters and oh uh, where that. the wild things yeah, are. yeah where the wild things are like it's got that sort of that sort of uh just that texture and quality to it and kind of yeah, the handwritten the, titles and it's kind of a dreamy quality yeah, it's, it almost, does yeah. it, it really is and i i it it felt a little strange just watching it trying to actually figure out are these guys really goofy highway workers or are they in a funny kind of a dream <laughs> state? right right so uh no it looks really interesting yeah um so that's so mine. It's, it's yours. Uh, you know, I uh, I'm going with a more experimental pick this uh, uh, this time round. Um, uh, James Franco. I'm going with a Franco. All right. As I lay dying, coming out. Speaking um, of pot, speaking of pothead comedies that and he's in, this is not one. <laughs> this is not one. This is one not only that he is in, uh, but he also wrote the screenplay and directed As I Lay Dying, uh, adapted from. Uh, the William Faulkner novel of the same name, and uh, let's see, it opens internationally. Uh, I think there it's a Cannes selection, right? So it opens uh, yeah. in uh, this month in France, and then um, you know it'll it'll leak out to the uh, yeah. To the I don't know if it has. I'm not even sure if it's going to come 
uh, I don't think around. it has. It, it'll probably come around, but I don't think it has any official release date. Release. Yet. You know what I'm yeah. what I'm hoping for is an iTunes, uh, a nice iTunes release. Uh, this seems like that kind of movie that we we might get digitally before we see it anywhere else. Um, it's got a great looking cast. Uh, it, it is. Uh, it's a movie of uh, really dirty bearded dudes, um, and uh, so you know we've had the conversation about dirty bearded dudes before. Um, but it's a journey story, and I'm a big sucker for journey stories. And, uh, you know, I love this idea that they're, they've come together to, to honor, uh, you know, to honor the death of their mother. And I've, I've always loved the, the book, and I'm fascinated to see, um, you know, Franco's take on this film. It just looks, the trailer is really intriguing to me. Yeah, no, I agree. It's brave. It's... It is a brave thing to do, I think. This shows guts to Yeah. Me. And it looks uh, the texture and everything. Speaking of textures of the last film, this one has that. Uh, he he really is capturing that vibe of this period mm-hmm. really nicely. I mean, it, you know, it doesn't look like a uh, Hollywoodized version of the story. And speaking of, you know, like the outlaw Josie Wales a few weeks back where Clint Eastwood cast people who looked really authentic. I think he's doing the same thing here. The people really look like the period. Yeah, you know there are these these sequences where you get like you know Tim Blake Nelson is a, just a great kind of hillbilly looking guy and and they just I mean they really they 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 just nailed the gaunt period look of of the the characters in this in this film and so you know I'm really intrigued it also it sort of has the uh, what was the? This is going to be a night of me not remembering stuff. What was the the, the <laughs> other uh, the other George Clooney one? I am a man. Uh, yeah. Constant. What was the? Oh, the, oh brother. Where oh, art brother. Thou? Where art thou? It's got that sort of oh, brother. Where art thou? Thing uh, going for it, but uh, not as happy. Yeah. So yeah, not as not as musical. Not likely. as mu- certainly not as musical. Um, but it's it's got a, a uh, I think a very uh, a wonderful sort of visual texture to it. So I'm I'm really interested in. It. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, me too. Um, okay. Shall we? I think I think we shall. Is the water is the water warm enough? <laughs> Let me dip my toe in and check. <laughs> uh okay. So this is this is the uh the the we'll call it the spiritual threequel. Uh this was the first in reverse order. This is the Benjamin Button. Uh, style style review uh, a threequel review of oscar-winning patty chayefsky movies that's right uh we've covered the first two network and the hospital in and uh now uh, marty which takes us a step back 20 some odd years and uh 15 years certainly from uh, the hospital in 1955 yeah he, he not only did uh chayefsky win an oscar for this uh for this film but uh delbert man won best director Ernest the Beef Borgnine won for Best Actor, uh, and uh, it it actually won 1955 Best Motion Picture. Yeah, this it it swept it. It I I don't know if winning uh, and it also won for um, yeah I think that was it Ernest Delbert Mann director Harold yeah. Hecht for produce or for producer Best Picture yeah. and Patty Chayefsky for Best Script, right. uh, and then it was also nominated for Joe Mantel Best uh, Supporting Actor Betsy Blair Best Supporting Actress. Best Art Direction, Set Decoration, Black and White. This was the day when they had two categories because one yeah. was for Black and White Photography, one was for Color, and then Best uh, Cinematography, Photography, Black and White. Um, it didn't win those, but it did It did pretty good for itself back in the Oscars uh, for its year, yeah. So what do you think of this movie? You Had you n- ever seen this? Yeah, you, I have seen, seen this back in the day, ages ago, when I, I started plowing through all the Best Picture winners. I so. I thought I had seen it. I think I said last week that I was looking forward to seeing it again. <laughs> <laughs> but then, <laughs> well, I you go ahead. What did you th- What do you think of this film? I I really like this film. I find it uh, a very slight film. It's a very slight, simple slice of life, easy film uh, that it takes place in one night and. It's just it's a very uh, just kind of a refreshing take on just a kind of a, a simpler time. And the uh, the characters, I find what uh, really draws me to this film. But that being said, I still find it just a very slight film. It's just and I'm not saying that to slight it in any way. I'm just saying it's not 
a big grandiose story. It's just this very simple story about a guy going out one night who finds himself too old, finds himself ugly, heavy set, and he's just looking for a connection, really. And that's really what the film's about. I really enjoy it for what it is. Is it one of my favorite films? No, but I like it for what it is. Uh, yeah, you know, it's a funny, it, it was a funny film. I thought there was a lot, uh, there was a lot going for it. There were a, a number of elements going for it. I, I like that you use the word slight, and I think I would use that word and be more deliberate about it. Um, I, I, I think it is a slight film, uh, in the way that it is, uh, impactless. It is an impact-free movie. Sure. I watched it, uh, and I had, as I'm watching it, I had no memory of having watched it, even though I could have <laughs> sworn that I'd seen it. It was completely brand new. Uh, I and I found it in in spite of the fact that I thought, okay, this is a you know, it's a charming, as you say, it's a charming sort of slice of of life film. Uh, I was bored to tears, <laughs> bored. To tears. So I think it is, it's a strange film for me because it's possible to be both charming uh, and boring at the same time. Yeah. You know, I am, I was stunned after watching it at the number of awards that it won and was nominated for. I do not think it, it's, uh, it, it's meritous of any of those awards, any of them. Well, coming out <laughs> in a time, I mean, it was up against for best picture. Love is a many splendor thing. I haven't seen that, so I can't say. Actually, I can't. I haven't seen any of these, so I can't speak. Love is a many splendor thing. Mister Roberts' picnic and the rose tattoo. So, I have maybe seen... maybe nineteen fifty five was just yeah. a, a light. It, it might have been a light year, and there was. But see, when you talk about these slice of life sort of films, I I jump back immediately to Christmas in July, uh, which was, um, you know. Uh, obviously from an earlier time, but it gives you that, it gives me that same sort of feel to it, but it's got uh, so much more momentum of story. Mm -hmm. I, this whole idea of following a genuine, a generally boring main character, generally boring protagonist in Ernest Borgnine, who is a butcher and a snooze of a butcher at that, it, that following through this litany of conversations about, uh, how disappointed all of his customers are that he is not married yet and that he is keeps straightening them out about how it's his other brother that's been married and then there's the other brother that's already married and the kids and and it's just all the it, you know the the comparisons to the other brother i i found even the execution in this slice of life was boring it took me four days to watch this movie because i literally kept snoozing off uh, after about 15 minutes it's it is it's a very um it's a very simple thing now here's something um i felt very much i think the way you felt the first time i watched it i was like oh, okay well i can just move past that one now and check it off my list not worrying about it i i was excited to see it again because it's patty chayefsky and again i didn't remember a whole lot about it except for you know just a kind of a basic rudimentary you know plot synopsis type of thing um I found myself enjoying it more the second time, and maybe it's just because I had seen it before. I walked in knowing what I was going to be expecting, and I was just able to kind of go, okay, I know this is going to be kind of this just really light little thing, and I just kind of settled in, and I was okay with it. Uh, you know, maybe it's just it's more so than something like Christmas in July, which, I mean, it, it certainly is marked in the time that it was made, but... I, I, this one feels marked more in the time it was made, um, the way that the story itself unfolds. It just feels very much kind of just a, a simple 50s storytelling sort of style. And perhaps that's also became because it came from this teleplay that right. uh, that Patty Chayefsky had done uh, prior back in 1953 that the movie was actually based on. Maybe that's why it just has this feel a little bit more. But what's funny know. about this whole thing is that I don't even see this as a as a a story driven film, right? There is no story. There's no story. This is all character. It is it is you know it is this uh, emotional internal emotional drama of uh, Ernest the Beef uh, feeling uh, inferior and then trying to figure out a way not to be inferior. Like there the it it is. 
the the relationship of so he is trying he's living with his mother yeah uh and there is this parallel kind of uh character drama in his brother and sister who are trying to get their uh you know his aunt the, the their mother to move out so they can have their house together that's that is actually the most kind of heavy air quotes riveting part of the story uh is the you know the there's this this fight on the deck mm-hmm. when the beef is trying to have this conversation with the brother and uh, with his brother and and uh get some money to open his own butcher shop and it, it's like a 2 minute sequence where uh the brother won't uh is not able to listen to the beef because he keeps having this fight with his wife and you can tell there there's this sort of there's a whole lot of words and not a lot of communication going on and that scene i think is particularly strong in a movie that's otherwise fairly weak um but uh uh, the, the, with a, with uh, a great line. <laughs> Come on, you can fight with her anytime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So there, and there are a couple of zingers like that in the movie. I mean, I'm not saying that that, that as, as in terms of Chayefsky's work, it's it's not. I mean, it feels like a uh, like a teleplay. You know, we gave a lot of trouble to uh, to 42 for feeling like a, a after school special, and I think this one, uh, I, I think is it fits the bill even more. This feels like something I would have. I would have, you know, cranked up the the hi-fi to watch. Um, so I, you know, I was just left sort of impactless, and yet, and that's why I'm sort of stunned that the movie it did well. It the it it was considered a box office success. It made money. A, a lot of people won things, and it's left with this sort of institutional memory of being a a uh, you know one of the greats of the era. And it's and I don't see it. Well, it's one of the greats of the era because of the the place because that it of had. the era. Well, because of the yeah, because of the era. I mean, it really is. Um, it's one of those films that will always have a place in history because it won Best Picture. All of that. That being said, it's not available on on DVD that readily. It's not available on. Uh, I mean, you can get it digitally and stuff. It's but it's 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 not something that is being pressed over and over again for new audiences to come and purchase it's a it's a film that is of its time and i think it's it stands well for its place in its time that's that's my sense of it okay but that being I, said i think we I all still... can just just raise a glass to not actually being raised and you know making movies in this time if this is what we're going to be remembered <laughs> that was a horrible I, well, that was a horrible thing to say i apologize there are there are better films in the 50s there yeah. certainly are and we've talked about some of them yes. but the uh, that being said i i don't know i still find it better the second go around having seen it before going into it knowing what i was going to expect I, I just found it nice. I just found it easy, and I didn't have to get into it too much. I just liked the the this interesting struggle of this character who just feels dismissed because he's too old and ugly and he's not happy. He finally finds happiness only to have everyone who was rooting for him to find happiness all of a sudden want to take it away because now they're realizing it's going to affect their own happiness. I don't know. I, I liked that aspect of the story. Again, it's not the greatest story, but I do uh, find it enjoyable. So I'll give it that. Okay. I mean, I, I'll give that to you. Yeah, all right. That's fine. Uh, the uh, so let's let's just walk through some of the some of the in in your view some of the strengths on in in the characters. Like if, if we're looking for the performances, we have uh, uh, what, oh gosh, Betsy. Um, Clara, yeah, Betsy, Betsy Blair, Betsy Blair, Blair played Clara. I mean, what do you, what did you, uh, what did you think of her role in the film and uh, opposite uh, the beef? I liked her. I mean, you know, as I said, she was nominated for supporting actress for her role. I think that she had come from. I mean, she'd done films before, uh, and I believe at the time she was actually married to Gene Kelly. Um, at the time that she was, uh, she was in this, so. Um, you know, she had been around. People knew who she was. I enjoy her in the film. I think it's uh, a nice character. I think she plays it well. She plays kind of that ugly duckling nicely, and I enjoy it. I do feel that at the end of the film, and this was something that to me really struck me as TV, uh, like teleplay scripting rather than something that would have been done later, when he finally decides 
he's going to wise up and be happy rather than try placating everyone else in his life. And he calls her. We don't see the other end of the phone call. We only see him. Right. We never we never cut back to her and her happiness. The last time we see her, it's sitting in her living room with her parents watching whatever it is they're watching on TV. And she's just sitting there crying. And it's it's heartbreaking. And then we never cut back to her. Right. It's that it, it's 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 teleplay filmmaking is what it was. Well, it's teleplay filmmaking. It's it is a 1950s cultural examination of the role of women being yeah. reflected in the role of women in film uh, that aren't, you know, necessarily the leading lady kind of, um, yeah. you know. And, and so, you know, I, I, I see that. I, I You know, it was interesting just the way they used her character as a as, as a tool for um, for Marty to express against. Uh, right. We have the, uh, seemingly interminable sequence of him talking about himself. Uh, (laughs) we have the, um, the equally sort of, uh, but frustrating, uh, sequence of him being sexually frustrated, uh, and, Mm -hmm. and wanting a 1950s kiss real, real bad. (laughs) Uh, and then we have the, uh, the turnabout at the end where, um, like you say, I mean, this, this also had that sort of natural, uh, 1950s teleplay uh, sequence his final speech you know you don't like her uh, my mother doesn't like her she's a dog and I'm fat ugly man well we're gonna have a good time but I'm gonna beg her to marry me and hey Ange when are you gonna get married you know you ought to be ashamed of yourself essentially having this the exact same conversation uh, but being on the other side of that uh, right. relationship with his um, with Ange and so right. there that's where he you know he calls calls her and then the movie kind of ends and and yeah. and so um she you know that i i think uh, it doesn't feel like she was taken very seriously apart from being a, uh, a prop well I, I there's more to it than that i mean you're right it's it's her it's not a story focusing on the woman it's really about marty and his character development it's uh, the woman isn't given as much time uh, to develop, but he, you know she's given I think better screen presence than Ange, for example. Right. I I think that you know she's certainly the, given enough time to get a nomination. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a very sweet performance. It was it was a it was nice. I enjoyed her in the film. It's just it's not a performance that's explosive there's not a whole lot of stuff happening with it it's it's you know kind of a a light little performance i don't it doesn't bother me i i i think it's fine i don't know if i'd go so far as to call her a prop it's not uh a character where we really see a uh her own character arc you know it's it's maybe we do but maybe it's because we're looking at it with you know eyes from you know the 21st century as opposed to you know the 50s when times were different for women and i mean you could just see that the way that these dances were held and everything and her character just kind of get, gaining some confidence as somebody finally starts to find something more in her i don't know i, well, I wouldn't you say though that that sort of depends on how you characterize this film um you know it it looks like a um uh, a cultural mix match <laughs> mismatch if you are expecting marty to be a love story but if you're looking at marty as a, a belated coming of age story um about the man it's not a love story it's not about their relationship it's about him coming to terms with his relationship with his mother sure. with his friends and with this woman uh then the expectation of of her being uh, actually having her own arc kind of fades away yeah right you're right so I, yeah, I much you're right much like uh, but then you it, would, it pretty much would fall into the exact same camp with every other single character in the film the mother the brother and sister-in-law the aunt exactly. the friends uh you know every other person in the film becomes a prop and you know yeah. maybe it makes sense for a film called Marty yeah. that that we're focusing solely on Marty and his growth and we're not getting a solid story or character arc with any of the other film uh, other characters in the film they are essentially i guess maybe you're right they're essentially i don't i i just always hesitate calling them props i don't feel like they're props i feel like they're good tools that he's able to use in order to find his own way yeah i buy that 
I buy that. I, uh, I, I think it's uh, for me where I get hung up is, is on, um, you know, if you, did they pick the the most interesting potential, you know, potentially most interesting slice of this man's life? You know, what is it? I, I kept thinking to myself, what is it that Chayefsky is is doing with this guy? I mean, this was, you know, here we have once again uh, this, uh, you know, this depressed white guy uh, who with, uh, you know, who makes allusions toward, you know, often himself uh, because he's so upset because people don't think he's married. What is what is it that Chayefsky is getting at with these characters that he keeps writing over and over and over again? I don't know. It's it's an interesting question. It certainly is something that he's exploring quite a bit is this role of the male and where they fit in the world. And if they don't fit in where they think they're supposed to fit in, where does that leave them? Right. It is definitely something that is interesting, at least in these three films. I don't know if I could go so far as to uh, say, yes, he's exploring this in all of his works because we're only talking about. Yeah, these we're only three talking films. about the three. Sure. That's that's not not a fair. Well, over and over and over. I only did that three times. <laughs> that's right. To be fair. Uh, but it it is definitely an interesting point uh it, it you know yeah. what what is most interesting to me is it's not like this is a triptych right it's not like he wrote these films two years apart that he's writing these films in the early 50s and then again in the 70s says that there is an incomplete arc for this guy right yeah. i mean there is something that he is trying to get off his chest over the course of at least 20 years yeah that's no, it's, that's it's, what's it's, interesting it's definitely when a when you see this sort of thing coming out in a writer, it just seems like it's definitely some form of self exploration that he's also working on his own place in the world and and what he does and everything. And I, yeah. I find it pretty interesting. Oh, I do too. I you know I that I think may make this you know uh, makes this film sort of redeeming to me is is because it's a historical piece and like all of these pieces, it's it, it, when you think of the writer as somebody who's holding up a mirror of some element of of uh, you know our culture that he really wants us to see right i mean this yeah. is we're going to it's like holding up a mirror and a magnifying glass you know we're going to we need to focus on this this is we're going to show us a representation of ourselves uh and and focus on it uh you know um uh, critically and what are you going to get out of it out of this 2 hour or 90 minute exploration yeah um, and that's where I think maybe the movie let me down is that I don't know that I necessarily got his point. So I'm going to blame myself. <laughs> well, I but yeah. And again, I, I, I think it just goes back to looking at uh, a per. It's, it's really just trying to find your own happiness. And, you know, maybe that's just what he's exploring in this particular mm -hmm. one. You know, mm -hmm. I do like that. But where do you stand on uh, Mr. Mann, Delbert Martin Mann, Jr.? You know, he's he's a, I think he's an effective director for projects like this. Uh, Delbert Mann directed quite a bit of television. In fact, I think that's where he met Patty Chayefsky and I believe also Ernest Borgnine. I think he met them all back there, like when he was doing some things like Philco Goodyear Playhouse. Um, I believe that's where he met the producer uh, Fred Coe and he was working on one of these TV shows and was talking to Patty Chayefsky about uh, some project they were working on. And, and they came across a, uh, what is it? They came across a, uh, you know, just one of these, these dance halls. And uh, Patty saw a sign that said, girls dance with the man who asks you, remember men have feelings too. And from that sign, he all of a sudden had this really interesting notion of doing this play about, you know, a couple meeting in a place like this. And then he also really liked this idea of kind of a, an ugly guy and, a, and an ugly girl who kind of come together and basically kind of the not so Hollywood story. And um, I, I found that interesting. And, and Delbert Mann was there from the beginning, and he directed the original TV broadcast that came out in 1953 that actually starred Rod Steiger as Marty. And I can't remember why, but for some something happened. Rod Steiger decided he didn't want to continue a contract or something like that. And, of course, Ernest Borgnine came in and ended up doing the role and, of course, winning an Oscar for it, I'm sure, 
Rod Steiger felt a little uh, stupid after that. But uh, but yeah, Delbert Mann, I, I think, did you know an effective job with the film. He went on directing films all the way into the 80s. And uh, I believe he actually, uh, he was nominated for Oscars a number of times. Uh, his films were nominated for Oscars. He, and then all the way through 1986, he did a, a made-for-TV movie, The Last Days of Patton, which I guess was a made-for-TV sequel to Patton from 1970, that actually starred uh, George C. Scott as Patton again and uh, Richard Dysart, both of whom we talked about in uh, the hospital last right, week. Right, Big fans. Big fans. So, yeah, that's Delbert Mann. A, I have uh, not. I have not seen very many uh, Delbert Mann films. I, I've seen Separate Tables. Uh, I've seen. I don't. I've seen very few. Maybe Night Crossing might be the only other film of his that I've 1982 seen. 1982 Night Crossing. I. I have not seen Night Crossing. I think that's the only one. I mean, he's. He's. You know, my sense of him is he's just an effective, you know, director. He does what he needs to do. He gets it done. And uh, and that's yeah, yeah. It, it's again not somebody who's really putting a mark on where you can watch and go oh that's a Delbert Mann film. What did you uh, did you get a chance to watch the trailer? Oh yes. <laughs> okay, so the trailer uh, trailers from the fifties. You know, and I I just found this interesting, and I bring it up right now because you said uh, that you know this was. There was a fascination by this idea of having the not the non Hollywood couple, right? Yeah, right. And I find it fascinating when you turn on the trailer of this thing, yeah, and it's Burt Lancaster of <laughs> you know legendary Hollywood couples hunk, uh, and he who, who who acted as one of the producers on who the was film. one of the producers of the film, and he is making a pitch, a plea, if you will to come see this movie because he's so proud of this little slice of life story. Right. And uh, I thought that maybe it's the gift of hindsight uh, that makes me circumspect of his pitch. (laughs) But I found myself thinking, gosh, isn't that quaint that the hunky Burt Lancaster would encourage us to go see the Ugly Duckling film? Right. Uh, (laughs) And uh, and, and so it's fascinating to to watch how they, you know, I I, I couldn't tell. I mean, I I kept getting the sense that maybe they didn't have a whole lot of confidence in it. Um, And yet it it obviously performed very well. Right, right, right. But it's just like the the way he speaks. This is the kind of thing. This is the kind of copy that you would write, script copy that you would write if you really were trying to. If you if you were unsure about your property, <laughs> it really does come across right? that way. You're right, absolutely right. That's very uh, funny. You can find a link to the to the uh, trailer we're talking about in the show notes at thenextreel.com slash tnr slash marty. There you go. Yeah. Uh, okay, uh, let's talk about the beef. The beef, Ernest. Yeah. I've always liked Ernest Borgnine and I, I can't remember what I saw as a kid that that had Ernest Borgnine in it. I, I don't know what it was, but I just he's one of those faces that you see like it's it's a, it's such a recognizable face. Yeah, I saw it as a kid in something. And it's just one of those faces that ever since then I've all I, you know, I think it was the black hole. I bet mm. it was the black hole from 1979. And I've just always kind of had that connection with him because of that. And I haven't seen uh, a vast number of his movies. He's a guy who's been very, very busy from the 50s all the way through, uh, I mean, geez, very recently. I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, he, uh, he, he, he only just passed away last, uh, last July, July 8th, 2012. Right. And he was still active uh, in 2012. Like, I mean, he right. was, he has been busy. Mm-hmm. Um. Let's see. In fact, yeah, well, he was himself on Saturday Night Live in 2010. Uh, it, but he is, uh, you know, I, I knew him from, uh, I met, I first met Ernest Borgnine opposite uh, Jan Michael Vincent in the hit series Airwolf. Mm. Ah, yes. And I thought this was, look at the old man. <laughs> you know, I was a kid. <laughs> and uh, I was I was watching it for the helicopter and only uh, much later, uh, did I, you know, as he starts, like you said, he just starts cropping up. He is everywhere. And, um, uh, you know, who knows? I, this list of his films is epic. 1951 oh, yeah. through 2010. Um, and, and so, uh, 
you know, the the films that he stands out in, uh, well, obviously he was in uh, McHale's Navy on television for a long time. Jeez, um, I mean, you run down the list from but, here to eternity. Yeah. Bad Day of Black Rock, Violent Saturday, uh, Jubal, that just, uh, uh, they just re-released that one. Um, let's see, what else? Yeah, McHale's Dirt, Navy's the had... Dirty Dozen. The Dirty Dozen, yeah. Ice uh, Station Zebra. Yeah. Uh, the Flight of the Phoenix. The Wild Bunch. Wild uh, Bunch, yeah. I mean, these are these are big uh, these are big films. Uh, Poseidon, yeah. the Poseidon Adventure. Love yeah. me some seventies disaster film. Yeah, uh, and, then, and then even like Escape from New York he popped up in that, and and, and we that, talked about and we talked about it a few weeks ago in Gattaca. That's right, that's right. And so that's why, with the exception actually of Gattaca, to the exception to my point, which you totally derailed now. <laughs> uh, I am used to seeing Ernest Borgnine as a big actor as a larger-than-life sort of character, right? He's either yeah. in this sort of military uh, function or he's in some sort of a renegade function. He's just, he's a big character. He's, um, and, and he's got a big build to him. You know, he's very broad-chested, kind of a larger guy. And so watching him play this sort of subdued, kind of goofy character, I felt was kind of out of context for me. Obviously, it was very early in his career, uh, but he still has uh, the build and character of a large and I'm not I'm not saying necessarily physically large here, but a sort of cosmically large person. Yeah. Uh, and and it was hard for me to to sort of believe him uh, in this character. So I I had a hard time kind of watching him as Marty. Um, I'm I'm not a very good uh, person for this film. Clearly. This is a sort of film. Give it a few years and try watching it again and see if it if it changes for I don't know you. If I'll stay I, awake. I, well, just try it. Just see. I'd be curious to talk to you about it in a few years and see what you think. All right. Episode uh, 187. Uh, there you go. <laughs> All right. All right. So uh, I that is to say, I uh, I love Ernest Borgnine. I love er yeah. everything he does. And this one uh, is out of character for me. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, but you're right. I mean, he does play such big, big characters that it, it's just a different sort of character but yeah. you know it's is it different than seeing will ferrell do something like everything must go or or uh you know steve carell doing you know uh seeking a friend at the end of the world where it's somebody who's who's stereotyped for a certain some type of role that you're just so used to seeing when they step out and do something a little different it almost is like the audience rejects that because they just don't want it's like you're the antibody and they they are the uh the uh the infection coming in and you know you're trying to protect the body from what you're used to how's that for a strange I, well no i i hear you and yet uh i thought uh, Will Ferrell did a fantastic job and everything must go. No, well, I'm okay. Well, right. I mean, like, so you're, I so think you're saying Ernest, is, Ernest Borgnine didn't do a fantastic job. I, I am saying it is a I, I'm saying people get typecast for a reason and some people <laughs> find it easier to break their type. Ah, uh, OK. Right. I mean, Steve Carell. <laughs> uh, what isn't it? Uh, what's the one we were just talking about? Uh, the trailer that's coming out. The the yeah. Kid, I know. What's that called? Do you know what the thing I'm talking about? I mean, that's where Steve Carell plays the kind of uh, yeah, the, the, the hot, uh, the hot kick ass guy. The, yeah. The, yeah, yeah, and that's uh, you know, it's out of type, and yet, um, and yet, uh, it it feels you know, at least from the judging from the clips in the trailer, uh, feels pretty believable. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's. I mean, he's a they they are solid actors, and we know them for that that work. But in this case, for Marty, I I just couldn't I couldn't get into it. Hmm, interesting. That's yeah. the way way back you're referring to, by the way. The way way back. That's exactly right. Yeah. Good catch. Okay. What else? What else do you want to talk about? You've got you've got your list. Uh, two, I feel two, like I've just been just railing against this movie, and I'm I'm sorry about that. You keep you now have the floor. The whole of okay. It. Two two little things. Uh, but I mean, you know, I, I enjoy the film. It is a slight film and you know, I've said my piece, um, Joe Mantell, who, who I think is the, is the strangest choice for getting an Oscar nomination for this film as his friend and his, his buddy, Angie Angelo. Uh, I, I don't see him getting a nomination for what he did in this film. That surprises me more than Betsy Blair. That being said, Joe Mantell did go on to be uh, 
Lawrence Walsh, the associate of Jake Giddis in Chinatown. He is the one who delivers the famous last line in Chinatown. Forget it, Jake. It's Chinatown. That's Joe Mantel. I did not have that connection. I feel better for this. It makes me like him that much more because I was just like, why on earth would they nominate him for a supporting actor? I just I couldn't see that in this film. I'm glad to see the Jack Lemmon one for Mr. Rogers. Right. Betsy Blair, one last little note about her that I found interesting. She was actually, she'd been acting in the 40s, and then she got interested in Marxism, and it led to her getting investigated by HUAC, and she was blacklisted for a while. It wasn't until her performance in Marty and a critically acclaimed performance that she won a BAFTA award and was nominated for her Oscar for Best Supporting Actress. That helped her kind of get through that blacklist and everything. <laughs> so, so really, only the award winners are. No, uh, it's that's, just a, because, that's like a ticket to freedom. It's because she played a sweet little American girl. That would be my guess. Well, I hear what you're really saying, Andy. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I have though for Marty. Uh, we talked numbers. You know, it doesn't. It's a little thin on numbers. I did find a few things. Um, <laughs> I found the production budget of three hundred fifty thousand dollars, which seems really little, but that's what I found. Yeah, right? uh, and then I found that it, I, I couldn't find anything as far as what it made in theaters, but I did find that just from from um, uh, like video sales and stuff like that, that it made two million. Uh, domestically and 1.5 million internationally. Um, So, you know, even in the video sales, which I I don't think are happening for Marty that much more, but probably when it first came out on video is when these sales numbers came Mm -hmm. from. um, It did, even then it made its money back. So I'm sure it did handsomely at the box office too. Well, I don't know. All right, I've said my piece. All right. Well, let's call our Patty Chayefsky series done. I am. Do you have any? Do you have any final sort of? Uh, would you like to offer a final uh, summary judgment on Patty? I think we already kind of t- chatted about him in relation to these three films, but I mean, you know, I do really enjoy his characters. I, I feel that he is strongest when he is is uh, writing specific moments for characters, and I enjoy monologues the characters have. I know you weren't as keen on them in Marty. But I did really enjoy some of the monologues characters had. I did enjoy them in Hospital. I did enjoy them Network. I really enjoy what he does in that respect. I found it interesting what we were just talking about as far as his his characters and this kind of exploration of self in their world when they're not able to kind of they're not fitting in anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I found that very interesting. Um, you know, I I definitely want to continue uh, catching up on Patty Chayefsky's films. I think that he's got a lot of other great ones out there that I need to catch up on. I think the only other one I've seen is Altered States, which is quite the mind-bending trip, and I haven't seen that one in years. I'm curious to revisit. So, uh, Altered States is one of my. Um, it, it's on my kind of my back catalog, top of my back catalog list. You know, like I've I've watched that movie probably 50 times, and. Uh, I had a really unnatural obsession with a uh, um, with a sensory deprivation tank in college, and and um, <laughs> and so it, like this is it's one of those movies that kind of taps a, a deeper place for me. But I'm with you; I haven't seen any other uh, Chayefsky uh, films that I remember. And this experience of kind of walking through these these three uh, has really made me want to watch more of them because I think I was I, I had generalized. Uh, my impression of Patty Chayefsky's work based on my really deep earned love of network. I, I think that is, is still, it is our number one film. It's, it, it is at the very top of my list as well. And uh, it, it has been, it always has been as far as I can remember. I love that movie. Uh, the hospital I didn't like as much and Marty, I like even less. And so my, my overall impression of Chayefsky's work is averaging down. And I don't like that. I, I feel like I need to see some better work. I need to uh, I need to average back up, or else I'm you know I'm I'm starting to see him as as a less consistent writer than I had assumed presumed he was. And that, mm-hmm. that's that's um, I don't like that. It makes me kind of squirmy. 
Yeah, well, we'll but we'll I, both have to kind of do some exploration yeah. on our own, watch some other of his films, and find the other ones that we feel uh, really stand out. And you know, I'm sure there are other ones out there. I mean, he's obviously uh, he had been doing films for uh, you know from from the mid '50s through the uh, early '80s. So I mean, he's he's got a good number to choose from. Oh yeah, um, certainly. I but I, I do want to. Um to just latch onto your comment that I think his, you know, when you look at the movie, that the seg- segments that are really particularly strong, they're, they're the super strong character, like the, the sort of the pinnacle of character arcs, uh, you know, the big fights, the big arguments that that's where he really gets to exercise that, uh, yeah. that, that, uh, rapier wit, the vocabulary <laughs> scimitar. Uh, so lots of good stuff to catch up on. I you know I take it back I I I've seen more than I thought. Uh, I saw the Americanization of Emily and Paint Your Wagon, Altered States. Yeah, no, okay, yeah. So we've got some catching up to do. Any case, uh, shall we rank it? I think this is going to be a challenging rank. Well, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. I'm <laughs> I'm excited to see where this is. I, I my sense is it's going to end up toward the bottom of the list. Not that, not saying that we hate it, just finding that you know we've talked about so many films that yeah. we like. But yeah. I, I have a feeling that it's gonna. I my guess is it's going to end up below the hospital, but above the rest of the stack at the bottom. <laughs> the ones that we. Really I think well, for, I think so least. too. For because I think we're going to be ranking it on different criteria. I did not like the movie. You like the movie, but I think there are a lot of movies you like better. Oh yeah, I mean yeah. Marty is not a film I feel I need to go back and watch regularly. Yeah, it's it's uh, I, I I like it for what it is, but like I said, it's a it's just a very slight film. It's just okay. I got it. I I've seen it. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's do this thing. All right. Let's do it, Marty and the Sandlot. Well, I believe we're going with the Sandlot, Hercules und the Sandlot kids, as they say in Germany. I'm sure I love I'm, I'm I love the Germans. Right. I do too. Parallax View. I would go with that one. Parallax View. And next one is Bull Durham. Even you're gonna go with Bull Durham. I'm gonna on this go one. to and and I have a footnote to this point. Remind me to give you my footnote. I will remind you. The next one. I have the finger uh, string on my finger. Yeah. The hospital or Marty. Oh, the hospital. Strange <laughs> day, and here we go. Now we're down to the bottom stack. Strange Days or Marty? I I would pick Strange Days. You know, as I think about it, I would too. <laughs> I enjoy Marty, but I, and I'm, I'd probably only pick Strange Days just for the opening. I but know, even yeah. then, it's yeah. just it's just invigorating to watch that opening. Uh, Marty or Rush? <laughs> Andy, it is I'm not gonna, going below Rush. I'm going to say uh, Marty. I'm going to pick Marty. Okay. Even I will pick Marty. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, it ended up 87 out of 88. Uh, my footnote. Okay. Yes. The Bull Durham footnote. I was deeply saddened when I was reviewing our statistics. Because mm-hmm. our, our show, you know, listenership of our show is wildly fluctuates based on the movies that that we're doing. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't download movies that they either they haven't seen or they haven't seen. So we'll get these movies, you know, uh, new, new release films. We get this massive spike. Everybody's, you know, all of our, it appears that all of our listeners download the new releases. And of the back catalog, it tends to be fairly dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. Marty's probably going to be on the light side. I think it's going to be on the light side, so we don't we don't have to worry a, a whole lot about what we say here. No one's ever going to hear it. Uh, but I was I was deeply saddened to hear that uh, to see that uh, on our stats rank stack ranking of yep, most yep. popular shows, Bull Durham was second. Oh, uh, there you go. Second <laughs> most popular show uh, based on our, and so I rank that as our second most popular film. Uh, that we have reviewed, and that that hurts my feelings. It's fantastic. Uh, it's great. Yeah, no, I you know, good for baseball. <laughs> that's right. I, that's, I that's that why it's a, <laughs> upvote for baseball. <laughs> People love them some baseball. What are we? Uh, what are we doing next? Where do we go from here? We're hitting the summer months. We're we're hitting our. This is going to be our fun little streak. We're going to do our uh, magicians series. <gasps> 
magicians, I guess we'll call it magicians slash illusionists. Illusionists. I can't even say it. And and then it's going to cross over. Should we say the crossover? I guess we can. It's a a very special episode. It's a VPE. We'll we'll do a VPE. (laughs) I don't know what VPE is. A very special episode. Wouldn't that be... V- no, V-S-E. V-S-E. <laughs> it's late. Uh, we're going to do a V-S-E uh, with the film board. Yeah, that's in a couple will, of weeks. Which will cross over into a heist series. Oh, what a great summer. It, it's uh, Yeah, we're both quite looking forward. So. Uh, and, you know, I could say with confidence that the next two movies we're going to do are, I love these movies. I have so much fun watching these movies. Yeah. And the third one uh, are... are V-S-E-P-E-S uh, episode I obviously haven't seen. It's a film board. Need... It's brand new, but the trailers I'm pretty excited about. Yes, 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 yes. All right. uh, I think uh, I, I think I'm done here. I think you're done too. <laughs> you have to hurry. Think, you need to get out of here. I think you better be done so I can leave. Yeah, you got to get out of here. I yeah, Hey, right. good talk, man. Yes, indeed. Have a great evening, and I will chat with you soon. I love your body, Larry. I've been podcasting since 2006. In that time, I've tried countless hosting platforms. But in August 2022, we switched to Transistor to power all of our shows here at True Story FM. And it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content. And we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash Transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash Transistor. Start growing your podcast today.